Hey, Waldorf, yeah? what are we going to see in here anyway? It's one of those 3D movies. Put on your glasses, Statler. Yeah. yeah. Hey, 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 look. Look at the guy in the goofy mask. That's not a mask. Oh, sorry, lady. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 246. We are continuing our storytelling series today talking about Muppet Vision 3D. And I'm going to go ahead and say a gigantic disclaimer. I'm a gigantic Muppets fan. So I have green tinted glasses. For this episode. Which, no surprise, anyone who knows Brendan knows that he loves the Muppets. He has Muppet t-shirts. Quite a few, actually. I have more Muppets t-shirts than I do Star Wars t-shirts, which says a lot. That does say a lot, especially in a a theme park where they share a theme park. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, I am surprised, honestly, that it took us this long to get to Muppet Vision 3D. Well, it's going to make me cry. That's the issue. We were doing research and he did cry during one of the videos. I didn't actually cry. It was like a... Like a misty glaze, which is basically tears. But we'll get there. Okay. So if you're new to this series, our storytelling episodes are designed to take you into an attraction at the Disney theme parks and give us a better understanding of what is the story that's trying to be told to us. So that the next time we ride them, we, or experience them in this case, we have a deeper appreciation for it. We experience them in a deeper or a more meaningful way. It pulls out a deeper emotion, or you just catch something new that you didn't the last time. And I think that's definitely true for most attractions. For me, this attraction falls into this category too, because I am on the opposite end of the spectrum. I basically only do this attraction to appease Brendan, which is kind of sad. So two opposites here. It's funny, of all of the Henson Entertainment franchises, Sesame Street's probably the one that you've watched the most. Would you say that's true? Have you ever watched Fraggle Rock? No. Have you ever watched Dinosaurs? No. Did you? Yeah. Oh, okay. I grew up watching both of those, especially Dinosaurs, because that came out in 94. So I don't know if it was age appropriate for me, but I was definitely watching it. No surprise there. But yeah, I'd say Sesame Street for me is the one that I'm most familiar with. At the end of this, I'm going to ask you, do you have a deeper appreciation for Jim Henson? So I'm interested to know, and I maybe want to pose the same question to the listeners Just about, you know, because that's my biggest thing about this attraction is the connection to Jim Henson and what it means for Muppet history. So without spoiling too much of our conversation, let's go ahead and jump into it. The key facts just to get out of the way for this attraction, it opened on May 16th, 
1991 in Disney's MGM Studios. And we realized that means in just a couple months, it'll be celebrating its 20-year anniversary. Which I don't know if we should share because we've already talked about we want to be there for this anniversary and for this occasion. And selfishly, we don't want everyone to take the park reservations. Here's the challenge. How many times can you ride Muppet Vision 3D in one day? Oof. Do you think it's a time constraint or an insanity constraint? Probably the latter of those two. (laughs) But that is impressive that it's been there for so long. It did have a stint in Disney's California Adventure as well from 2001 to 2014. It has since been replaced for a while, for just about a year. It was for the first time in forever, a Frozen sing-along, which I didn't realize ever went to DCA. It was completely a publicity stunt and a promotion for Frozen. But then it was replaced. That theater for a while was just a movie preview area. And then it was Mickey's Philhar Magic starting in 2019. So lots of things in that one building. Not surprising with California Adventure. So to get a better understanding of these attractions, we tried to do our best to hit the highlights of the stories And mainly we tell the history from a standpoint of how did it get here? How does that weave into the story that we're being told today? Because obviously that's our focus. We're not a history podcast, but this attraction in particular has an insane history. And I think it plays a lot into the appreciation that you can feel whenever you experience this attraction. So the story story starts, well, it actually starts early in Jim Henson's career, but we're going to pick it up in the mid-1980s. So at this point in time, the Muppets are absolutely booming. So Jim Henson has successfully launched franchises of Sesame Street, Fraggle Rock, and then The Muppet Show became a huge sensation. So it started as the TV show, then led to movies and records and other TV shows, merchandise galore, all kinds of stuff. And of course, Disney... You know, we would notice this now in the Disney company that we see, but even in the 80s and 90s, they were the same way. They wanted a piece of this pie and of the piece of Jim Henson's success, specifically with the Muppets. They viewed it from an entertainment perspective, um, from movies and TV shows, but they also really eyed the Muppets for how to use them into the theme parks. Which is interesting to me because I could definitely see how Disney would be interested in like the merchandising since that's where they make a lot of money. And then, of course, from the TV and movie perspective, but to then translate that into the theme parks, it's interesting. However, it does make sense that if they had a whole theme park, you know, MGM Studios, that the two would tie in nicely together. So plans were in place in 1990 that they were going to acquire the Muppets and get all of the licensing rights. And specifically, they were going to work on this brand new area of then MGM Studios called Muppet Land, which I don't know if that's actually what they were going to go with. I feel like it was going to be Muppet Studios. I've seen both online. It's probably, I think it's, I thought Muppet Studios was a part of Muppet Land. You're saying just in general it was Muppet Studios? To me, I, it might have been Muppet Land. I don't know. To me, that just sounds so funny. I mean, I know it's Toy Story Land, which isn't, you know, 
completely different than Muppet Land, Fantasyland, Frontierland, whatever you want to put it. But I feel like it sounds funnier, Muppet Land. You know, Muppet Studios has a nicer ring to it. I'd buy merch with both of those names on it. Well, of course you would. So they had this principal deal in place and they were working out all the kinks and all of the details of it. So in the meantime, Jim Henson started working with the Imagineers to carve out what exactly this land would look like. So some of the mainstays or some of the experiences that you would have been able to experience in Muppet Studios were Muppet Vision 3D, which at the time was only the third 3D attraction that Disney had created following Captain EO and Star Tours. Talk about a trifecta of attractions that you love right there, Catherine. (laughs) No kidding. Followed by, I think it's tough to be a bug. Wow. All the things that we love. What a lineup. So behind Muppet Vision 3D, it was the Great Muppet Movie Ride. And so this was designed as a spoof on the Great Movie Ride, of course. For years, the icon and the main attraction of MGM Studios. And so when this attraction, this would be the Muppets, would recreate iconic movie moments throughout history and tell you how movies are made. Unfortunately, in classic Muppet fashion, all of their information on how to create movies was incorrect. And the, my favorite concept of this ride also includes that Stetler and Waldorf, the two old men that we see in Muppet Vision 3D, were going to be sitting in the audience with us and experiencing this with us at the same time. So in a very similar capacity that they're doing Muppet Vision 3D, they were going to do that for the great Muppet movie ride, providing commentary and things would be happening to them specifically from the Muppets production and, you know, on this ride as well. It sounds awesome. This is such an interesting ride concept to me because I'm kind of shocked that they would take their own ride and spoof it like this. Like, it's an interesting play, and it definitely comes from the perspective of the Muppets. But it is, I mean, it is quite funny because it almost seems like this version, in my opinion at least, I know there's a lot of great movie ride fanatics but I feel like this version would have overshadowed that original. Like this to me seems more entertaining. So of course the mind wanders to say, well, what if this had come to fruition, what would they have done with the great Muppet movie ride when they took the great movie ride away just a few years ago? But I don't even know if you can do that because MGM would be completely different if this had happened. I mean, it may have blocked Galaxy's Edge. It may have blocked... All kinds of stuff. Toy Story Land. Just because it would have been a greater area or just like all the money they would have funneled into it. They would have put more money into it. So, you know, who knows if they would have been willing to tear it down. I mean, obviously we see now they haven't been willing to tear down Muppet Vision 3D. So I don't know. It's just interesting uh, how that would have happened. And then there were a couple of other experiences. One, a sit-down restaurant called the Great Gonzo's Pizza Pandemonium Parlor. Whew, that's a mouthful. That would have been fun to search on on the My Disney Experience (laughs) app. It was a sit-down restaurant, and the story was posed as it's a joint venture between Gonzo and Rizzo the Rat. And it was, of course, a pizza parlor, like the name suggests. But there are all kinds of gimmicks and classic Muppet things that were going to take place as well, like... Rats were going to deliver the pizza using a conveyor belt to your table. The Swedish chef was going to be cooking and blowing things up in the back. 
and whatnot. There are going to be like explosions with chicken feathers, which, you know, is hilarious. I would have loved to see how they would do that and clean it up because, you know, that would have been someone's job every, you know, 20 minutes or so. Go pick up the chicken feathers again. Recycle them. I would have signed up for that. Uh, and this idea was going to use the space that is currently being used by Mama Melrose's, which makes so much sense now. I've always been so confused about how did Mama Melrose's get back there. It it would have been a better use of the space. And even though they decided not to have like a Muppet Studios or Muppet Land, I do wonder sometimes why they wouldn't have just gone ahead, at least partially with some of these other ideas. Was it just because they didn't have the rights to, because they were licensing? I'm going to get there. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. Hold your horses, ma'am. Okay. So the Great Gonzo's Pizza Pandemonium Parlor. And so as you can probably deduce uh, yourself, they took some of these same ideas and used that eventually into Pizza Rizzo, which is currently sitting there, which replaced Pizza Planet that was there for a while. I don't have very many memories of Pizza Planet. It was definitely a time that I went to Hollywood Studios or MGM Studios at the time. I guess my family just skipped that always. I remember it being there. I vaguely remember going in there, but I think it was so underwhelming I mean, I don't think the theming was great. I don't think there was anything like super cool about it. I think the only draw was Toy Story was obviously very popular and it was called Pizza Planet. Other than that, I think it was just cheap Disney pizza. And I think a lot of people did skip it. I'm going to take this moment to say Pizza Rizzo is much better than a lot of people, myself included, have given it credit for, for a long time. The theming is immaculate. That wedding room upstairs is amazing. But the props and the the different themes that they have just throughout the restaurant, I think, are awesome. The pizza is okay. They have some, they normally have at least a seasonal item during Halloween and Christmas as well there. They had a pumpkin cannoli for Halloween this past year, I remember. We didn't try it, though, did we? We did not try it. But I think Pizza Rizzo is better than what we all think it is, is my point. That's fair. I mean, we did somewhat enjoy what we got. We just opted for kids' meals because we're trying to save money. But, you know, it was all right. And the last couple of things that were going to be in there, the Swedish Chef's Cooking School we couldn't find too much information about what this actually would have been, but from our understanding, it would have been like a demonstration class type of environment. I don't know if it was a screen with the Swedish chef, an animatronic, or an actual puppeteer. But it's interesting because the Swedish chef has human hands. Yeah, a little so freaky. I don't know how they would have done that. But And then lastly, there was going to be a parade that went through this area, of course, featuring... The Muppets. But we say all this because there were huge plans for how the Muppets were going to quote unquote save MGM Studios. We had a lot of this discussion back talking about Tower of Terror and some of these other 
new phases that this park introduced because it struggled coming out of the gate, which almost seems like the story of every Disney park coming out of the gate. They don't hit it right the first time for whatever reason. But the Muppets were meant to be a huge piece of this. So Hollywood Studios opened it in 1989. So this was already in the works basically as Hollywood Studios opened it. And I think they ramped it up quickly because it needed help quite a bit. So we mentioned that they had this plan in place and this deal in place to acquire the Muppets in 1990. But unfortunately, Jim Hunts, Jim Henson unexpectedly passed away before the deal was struck. And so his estate left the company and the rights to the Muppets to his kids. And the kids could not reach the same deal or they couldn't hit it home the same way that his father had, that their father had planned to with Disney. So the entire land was basically left on the cutting room floor, left to be forgotten. But Frank Oz, who was Jim's right-hand man and puppeteer of Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, Sam Eagle, among many others. He played in Sesame Street. Uh, He did Grover in Sesame Street. I know. He basically saved Muppet Vision 3D, but he was the mediator between the family and Disney, basically saying that Jim is gone. This was one of his last works that he put together. We have to to do this for the legacy of Jim and for the legacy of the Muppets. And if that doesn't make you choke up, like (laughs) I don't know what possibly could, because obviously then that hits on both sides. The Henson family is in mourning at that time. And Disney really wants their hands on a piece of the Muppets. Now going back Do you maybe wish that it was a different attraction that got chosen if they could only do one? Yeah, you maybe want the Great Muppet Movie Ride. But the Muppet Vision 3D is so significant because Jim directed it. He played Kermit among many of the other Muppets in in the filming of Muppet Vision 3D. And so it is a timeless piece of history just for that fact alone. Yeah, I was going to say, I definitely would have loved to experience the their version of a great movie ride, but I feel like just for that significance, that like he produced it, he did it, like this was the last thing that he worked on, I do feel like it more so fits that this is the one that we got, Muppet Vision 3D. And for those of you who are around our age, or if you weren't a big Muppet fan, The death of Jim Henson was completely unexpected. It was completely shocking. The Muppets were everywhere at this point. And so it left the entire world wondering, are the Muppets going away? What is happening? And so for Frank Oz to push to get this made, I think is very symbolic of... Jim Henson's legacy and what the Muppets mean to so many people. Yeah, for sure. And then that just kind of brings us full circle when the Hensons did ultimately sell the Muppets, not to Disney, but to a German entertainment company who then sells it back to the Henson family. 
Um, and then they ended up turning around and selling it to Disney finally in 2004. For an undisclosed amount of money. Which we can only imagine was just ridiculous. But this was a deal over 15 years in the making. And if you kind of think back to a couple of episodes ago when we talk about Winnie the Pooh, how the family of A.A. A. Milne has kind of not sat well with how Winnie the Pooh's license was shifted and changed and moved all over the place. This one, I think, leaves you a little more warm and fuzzy about how everything played out. Would you feel the same way? It definitely feels like they were in control the whole time. And I think the family of A.A. A. Milne, they were also in control to a certain extent. Um, I think, you know, regardless when that person passes, I mean, it's unexpected and it's it's messy. I think that's just kind of how things go typically. But, you know, I could agree. This one, I don't know if it makes me feel warm and fuzzy. I feel like I would have felt warm and fuzzy if it happened before he died. Um, just because I think things were left, obviously, in limbo for 15 years. But I think it worked out the way that it needed to. I think that's fair. So that kind of wraps up our history and it brings us to now we're walking into Muppet Vision 3D. What is our experience like? Yes. So this is the actual storytelling part. So instead of focusing on what could have been, we want to focus on what we do have. And to me, the story really begins when you first enter into that Muppet courtyard area. It's not an overwhelming area. It's definitely not, you know, breathtaking or beautiful or not that it's ugly, but I think it does leave a little to be desired as far as like the saturation of Muppetness, I guess. And it was rethemed to be called Grand Avenue when they redid that area. And so, and even the exterior of the building was then given a facelift to make it more New York style. Uh, and you can see that going back into Pizza Rizzo and even in Mama Melrose's as well. And the little Christmas shop, mm-hmm. which Which goes, is oddly out of place. It is oddly out of place. But yeah, so they redid it as Grand Avenue. And I agree. I think it the area leaves a little something to be desired. But I do like how it flows night. It flows much nicer into like the baseline tap house area now. And kind of that streets of New York feel that they're going for. You know, our old school people are going to say, we need Streets of America back. Like, it would have played so nicely into Streets of America. And I agree, for what they have right now, it's okay. You wish there was a little bit more, but it's okay. It's okay. I do enjoy, uh, oh gosh, the bathrooms... What are those called? Oh, it's like the Royal Flush. Yeah, Gonzo's Royal Flush or something like that. It makes me laugh every time we pass by it. So I do enjoy looking at that. Um, But once you enter into the queue, you are going through Muppet Labs. So this is the home of Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. And then, of course, his assistant, Beaker. Mimi. (laughs) That was a good one. Well timed. (laughs) I appreciate that. Um, The audience, you pass through several office doors And it's funny if you take the time to actually read the job descriptions on all of these doors, they're completely ridiculous. 
completely what you would expect from Muppet office buildings. So next time, if you're not just being ushered through, when we did this with your family recently, we actually had to wait. It's the first time we've waited in line for it in forever. It probably my entire life. I don't know if I've ever waited for Muppet Vision 3D. But if you have a chance, you need to spend the time in this queue looking at little details, looking at all the funny signs. Um, and then, of course, that enters you into the prop area. So it's just a giant room. There's boxes everywhere, props, more signs, labels, lots of things to read. And that's where you get to see the pre-show that features the different Muppets kind of introducing you to the show, uh, telling you a little bit about their acts. And this is really the first, well, I don't know if it's the first time actually, but it gives you a better glimpse into the chaos that will ensue once you enter into the theater. I do want to point out that probably my two favorite Muppets don't really make it into Muppet Vision 3D, Gonzo and Skeeter, but they're both present in the pre-show. I wish that they had found a way to incorporate them more. Of course, Gonzo's doing the very beginning with the Mm -hmm. 3D logo, but Skeeter is only like riding by on a bike in a throwaway scene. So it's just weird on how, which characters they chose, particularly Bean Bunny, but that's... That's a story for another day. Correct. You would have preferred Gonzo. Well, I mean, Bean Bunny obviously makes sense. That's his personality, that he's shy and timid and, you know, lacks self-confidence. So that part of the story makes sense. We're jumping ahead. But (laughs) you almost just wish that, oh, Gonzo does the sandwich line as well. But Skeeter does almost nothing. True. Very true. You don't know what sandwich line I'm talking about? When Bean's leaving, he says, Uh, Oh, would you get me a sandwich? Forever? I'm just going to quote this. (laughs) (laughs) We're definitely getting ahead of ourselves at this point. Because we haven't even entered into the theater, Brendan. So from here, you get your 3D glasses. And this is something that I never realized before. But this is the only Disney 3D attraction that calls them 3D glasses. And I don't know if it's because it is a tour and you're not necessarily playing the role of like a character or, you know, if you think about like it's tough to be a bug, they call them bug eyes. Um, if you think about Star Tours, they call them flight glasses. Magic is opera glasses. So I don't know if it's just because it kind of goes with the theme, like you're just a park goer there to tour the labs so maybe they don't have to spice it up but i just thought that was interesting it is interesting yeah i had never realized that that you're not really asked to be anything other than an audience member yeah at this point and it's probably just because muppets can interact directly with humans where in all of those other stories they don't really interact with humans directly You you don't talk to bugs regularly I mean, I do, but I try to avoid their attractions at all costs. Fair. So in the theater, of course, this is where you got you get to see just how detailed the theater is. Um, you get to see Stetler and Waldorf sitting up in their, I guess, like luxury box, if that's what you would call it. Um, you get to see the projector in the back of the theater, which is, of course, run by the Swedish chef. So just little touches that mimic, you know, 
what everyone already loves about the Muppets. Yeah, so there's two little, uh, not little, two big Easter eggs there that can often go unnoticed. Is that this is a replica of the Muppet Theater from the Muppet Show and the Muppet Movie. And then the Swedish chef running the projector is the same way that's done in the Muppet Movie as well. So those are just little things that are for hardcore Muppet fans, seeing the Muppet theater in life is a big deal. Is it a big deal? It's like seeing the millennium Falcon. That's what I'm going to say. Oh, okay. That's a good way to put it into perspective. It's not quite on that scale, but it's somewhere that you've seen so many times and you get to experience it. So it's not just a theater, which almost seems like where, the DCA version went wrong because it's it missed some of those same details. This one in Hollywood Studios is pretty spot on. Good to know. Um, and then that's, of course, where the show actually starts. So Kermit welcomes you to Muppet Vision 3D, and you're told that there aren't going to be any kind of gimmicky 3D effects in Muppet faction, fashion. That doesn't happen thanks to Fozzie Bear. And I have a favorite gimmicky effect. Do you? The party blowers. Oh, mine's the pie. Oh, needs more sugar. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. I only don't like the flower just because I hate when it actually squirts the water on you. I know that's a good effect, but I dislike it. I feel like I'm like 50-50 on if I get squirted with the water or not. I feel like I've gotten some chairs recently that don't have it available anymore. Well, I honestly just think they haven't been doing it recently. No, they definitely did last time. It sprayed on my mom. Really? Yeah. Ooh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> oh, well. Unless somebody spit on her in the middle of the ride. I don't know. <laughs> so from there, you enter into the Muppet Lab, which is the whole reason why you're there is to get this tour. And Dr. Benson Honeydew is there to showcase this 3D creation. And here is where chaos ensues, where you're introduced to Waldo. And this is where we're going to lose a lot of you. This is where I get lost, to be honest. Um, But Waldo, even though, in my opinion, he's quite annoying, he's very significant when it comes to the show and technology. And again, just all the things that Jim Henson did. So Waldo is actually an electric telemetric input device that's a hard one to say um that muppeteers use to remotely perform characters so it was meant it's shaped like a muppet's head basically and it goes on your hand it goes on your hand so if you can imagine like you're making you know your puppet and that's how i mean it's it's talking it's like it an, would go into the computer to create this 3D character in the computer system yes And, I mean, it was like a groundbreaking piece of technology. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's groundbreaking. You don't think so? It was basically exclusively used by them. It's not like it was adopted all across the industry. Well, okay. The way that I kind of understand it is Jim Henson had a lot of, like, really kooky ideas, and some fell flat and some were cool. It's almost like... I don't know, like an inventor who just like has crazy, unnecessary inventions. This one did stick quite a bit, but they didn't use it nearly as much as they thought. Kind of the 
idea behind it was is that they would eventually create Muppet shows digitally and they would they would have digital characters that they were controlling still their movements with their hands, but they wouldn't actually have to be there anymore. And it never really took off the ground, I think, the way that they initially thought. But yeah, that's where Waldo gets his name was this electronic telemetric input device. And Waldo, in his form, the blue and white, however Just, else. He's he like looked, a funny looking guy. A bubble. Yeah. He Butterfly first, wings. He first appeared in 1989 on the Jim Henson Hour, where he was the demographics expert for Muppet Television. And so Jim Henson had begun experimenting with creating digital creators in the mid-1980s. And this was also prominently used on Fraggle Rock, which I'm not very familiar with. But they also used Waldo in the Muppet movies and other various creature shop productions. And it's just... I I guess had never realized I've never watched the Jim Henson hour. I think that was before my time. I'd never realized that Waldo was a character beforehand. My question for it is, and what I don't know is, was he as annoying on the Jim Henson hour? Or did he get a new personality for Muppet Vision 3D? There's so many parallels. It honestly reminds me of Figment, where like Early versions of Figment is nice and not like annoying, innocent. childlike, and then he gets progressively more annoying. I guess they they make him like all teenagers. <laughs> they have to grow up eventually. But I do think it's just important to note that Waldo didn't just come out of nowhere. He was actually a Jim Henson creation. We're not really going to debate the, his execution unless you really want to. I think I've already said how I feel. And I don't think that necessarily helps with the story. So we'll just keep skating by. Um, So from there, so you're introduced to Waldo. Um, Of course, things kind of go awry when the studio gets sucked into the vacuum. Kermit brings us all back together. And the show must go on. So this is where we get to see Miss Piggy's show-stopping number. And this is where Bean Bunny then plays his part in kind of wrecking havoc on the whole thing. So uh, it ends with him giving Miss Piggy the skis. She, you know, goes flying and throws a fit, and that's when he decides to run away. So what's your line, Brendan? Forever? (laughs) Is that it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know if that's what you wanted me to say. (laughs) So he runs away, uh, not for forever, because everyone starts to go looking for him. And to me... This has got to be one of the highlights of the show because you get a real-life character, Sweetums, come into the theater to look for Bean Bunny with his flashlight. So he is seemingly, you know, interacting with the audience, asking where he is, looking around until ultimately... Why did you say seemingly? He's not interacting with the audience? Someone behind me is not yelling, he's up there. Oh, no, they totally are. Okay, Yeah. good. I mean, it's it. I think I meant to say seamlessly instead Good. of seemingly. Perfect. Okay. Just want to make sure. And ultimately, they are able to convince Bean to come back to the show um, as long as he gets to shoot off the fireworks. Now, I don't know why that would sound like a good idea, but I guess at the time, it's a good resolution. 
And Waldo is going to hitchhike with them because Waldo is trying to escape this area as well. So it's weird how they play into each other. Honestly, I think the story would be just fine with all Waldo. But it's- again, we're stuck with him. <laughs> <laughs> so I know it's just so hard to not let your mind go there to say like the story still holds up without Waldo. It would. It really would. So just close your eyes for those like 35 seconds. It's not even the eyes. It's the ears. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's listening to him for me. Um, And then, so I can't decide which is my favorite part of the show, whether it's seeing Sweetums or if it's Sam Eagle's part, because I think Sam Eagle is hilarious. I mean, just his dry sense of humor. Um, He ends the show with his tribute to America, which is festively titled a tribute to all nations, but mostly America. And I just love his reaction when Kermit has to tell him that his three hour finale has to be scaled into a minute. And a half. Well, here's the point where you, we get your dialogue. Can you do his gasp? <laughs> I don't know if I can do it. I can't do it without laughing because I can just picture him. I think I've sat through this enough times with you to just picture the look on his face and it gets me every time. Um, so, yeah, so you get the final scene with the fireworks and everything uh, at first seems to be going pretty well until, of course, Waldo steps in um, and for his last, I guess, rouse of chaos, uh, he ruins everything, basically. And, yeah, so he messes up the fireworks show and then he... Makes the Swedish chef mad. Because he launches one of the fireworks into Miss Piggy, which then launches into the audience and hits his projector. And, and that the penguins play a role in it as well. The penguins are mad because they bring the cannon out. Yes. So cannons start firing. Um, and then, of course, you get all the very cool effects that happen within the theater. Yep. So it seemingly looks like it's about to crash and burn. And the screen shows that a hole has been blasted through the back wall of it. And Kermit comes out and says, We're all good. It's all fine here. Don't Nothing worry to about see. It. The coolest part of that, I think, is seeing how they depicted MGM Studios in the early 90s. The attire that people are wearing in the background, the balloons. Just everything. And I know one of our listeners mentioned this as well. There's a flaw. There is a flaw. Sweetum shows up. He he has a dialogue. He has a, a speaking part mm-hmm. in here. But Sweetums is up on the screen standing in the blast zone. And he's also in real life in front of you. I've always justified it. So to me, because I'm not, you know, a huge Muppet Um, history person. I just always kind of wondered if maybe it was okay because maybe there was like a Mrs. and a Mr. Sweetums. (laughs) I didn't know if, you know, there could be more than one frog or pig or Sweetum. You know, maybe there's more than one. Yeah. There, you know, it's his own little monster family. Well, it's like uh, Fozzie's mom is just Fozzie Bear wearing a leg. (laughs) That's what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's the, it, you know, his twin brother, maybe, I don't know, is just how I've always kind of justified it to myself. Well, because I think they have to have him out there because he has a speaking role. And so if he's speaking over 
the speakers and you can hear him in the theater. When he asks if everyone's okay. Yeah. It's like if he's standing in the background, it doesn't make sense either. So it's kind of like a danged if we do, danged if we don't situation, I think. And yeah. why not have another excuse to bring Sweetums out as a full character? I mean, you might as well. This is also what I want to mention is I was the most jealous person in the entire world. A couple of years ago, they had a DVC Moonlight Magic at Hollywood Studios, and you could meet Sweetums live and in the flesh. Take a picture with him. Give him a hug. So the question is, what would be a better hug? Chewy or Sweetums? Ooh, Chewy gives very good hugs. I might have to stick with Chewbacca just because I feel like I have more of a connection with him. Uh, I'm, I've never met Sweetums, so I don't. It's hard to say, but they definitely fall into the same category. I'm interested. I think it'd be really cool, you know, if you watch old footage of like when they did have the Muppets in parades when they were trying to really hype up Muppet Vision 3D, um, you know, when they first came to the parks. I wonder what happened to those. Like, why can't we have a meet and greet? Hmm. I mean, I get it. I know why to a certain extent, but it would be cool. They're there out there somewhere. They are. It also just dawned on me uh, as I'm reading through the listener stories is that we can't do math. And a lot of people probably turned it off at the very beginning because we can't do math. It turns 30 years old this year. Oh, God. 1991 to 2021 is 30. Isn't that just kind of sad, though, that you automatically just think 20? Yeah. Like 21, like, you know, 2021. Oh, it must be 20 years old. This was only a year before I was born and I still couldn't do that. (laughs) Good. That's pretty sad. Good. Well, even more of a reason to go, right? Uh, Catherine is definitely not a math teacher. Definitely not a math teacher. No. She teaches all the other uh, subjects besides math. Yeah. When I come home, turn that off. So. Listener stories, Brendan. Yeah, let's get to our listener stories. We have a couple, and we get those from our Facebook group. We ask every episode beforehand and put the rubric out there if you guys want to share your scores. So if you're looking to join our Facebook group, it is Detour to Neverland Podcast Community. The link is down in the show notes below. So our friend Erica gave it a 5.75, and she said that they also just watched the original Muppet movie as they are going through all of the movies in the chronological challenge. Ooh, that's fun. It's been a while since we've watched the Muppet movie. We, um, Prop Culture, remember that show on Disney Plus? Yes. Their Muppet episode was so good. I mean, all of those episodes are so good, but that was a particularly interesting one. The Just the shot of seeing Frank Oz and Jim Henson down underneath the car just like cramping and contorting <laughs> their body into the smallest little area to do Kermit and Fozzie driving the car, singing, move around, moving right along. I said I wouldn't cry. I know. Here, here it comes. Uh, our friend Ryan said the perfect attraction does exist, and it's Muppet Vision 3D. It's funny, timeless, and the last gift that Jim Henson gave us. And our friend Josh replied to that comment with... Uh, one of my favorite pieces of art that he's done that I have on a t-shirt and it's a, have you seen this bunny 
like something you would post on a community board or on a like light for a missing dog for a missing dog, which I love that. Our friend Lauren said, "I am such a lover of all things classic in the parks. The attraction is very traditional Disney to me. The entire Muppets courtyard and store, paired with the music and hidden details, are funny little and funny little jokes is a favorite of mine." I don't always need flashy and modern to enjoy an attraction. And I just love the Muppets. We're going to talk about the store as well. Maybe just briefly. That in itself is its own almost attraction. Put a pin in that one. Okay. Our friend Sean said, I will forever love this ride. Reminds me of being a kid growing up with the Muppets as well as seeing this attraction for the first time in October 1994. I think they're staple and shouldn't be removed. 8.5. My favorite part of Sean's comment was uh, it <laughs> auto-corrected Muppets to mullets. <laughs> That's good. So if you just read that one sentence, reminds me of being a kid growing up with the mullets. <laughs> uh, so a friend, Sean from Monorail Radio, if anybody wants to Photoshop a picture of him with a mullet, I will probably get it framed. <laughs> and then Jackie, Sean's better half from Monorail Radio, said, love Everything about this attraction, especially the queue, it's perfectly on brand for Muppets, and I love how they take 3D one step further by planting Bean, Sweetums, and Waldorf and Statler in the theater at different points. There is, however, one major flaw with that. At one point, Sweetums is both on screen when the wall breaks open and the theater wrapping up the show. To this day, I can't believe they don't just stop him from coming out at the end so that he's not in two places at once which I would much prefer to them reshooting the last scene in all of the nineties glory. Yeah. I think it's just, I think it's the dialogue issue is why they can't, but well, and I also just wonder if they're like, Oh, well this, you know, Sweetums is already here. Might as well put him out again. Cause he is a, he's a cool part of the show. So maybe just like, Oh, why not just go back out? Speaking of characters being two places at once, we almost, had that happen to us in Magic Kingdom the other day. We thought we did panic briefly, but it didn't happen. Mickey was up on the train station and we heard a cavalcade coming and we thought it was Mickey. And I was like about to run down the street like, <laughs> Close go <your> away. Eyes. <laughs> it was not. It was goofy. It was the dancing cavalcade. Not Mickey. I guess Disney knows what they're doing. I guess. <laughs> I guess so. I guess they have that down to a science. So what are our final takeaways and then leading that into our Neverland score? This is probably one of the biggest disparities in Neverland scores. Quite possibly. So, I mean, of course, I naturally do not appreciate this ride, this attraction, probably as much as I should But like most of our research, I mean, this has given me a greater appreciation for it um, because, honestly, I don't know much about um, the Muppets or Jim Henson or that history besides you love him. We have a Funko Pop sitting on our desk right now with Jim Henson holding Kermit. Um, So I think it's really cool that, you know, even though the acquisition of the Muppets didn't quite play out the way that Disney had planned for it to – that they were still able to salvage um, Muppet Vision 3D, you know, because of that, that just tie to the Muppets and wanting them to live on even after Jim Henson had passed away. So it does give me a greater appreciation for why they haven't changed it, because that's always been in my head. Like, why don't they update it? Why don't they take 
uh, Waldo out? You know, why don't they do little things here or there just to make it, you know, more advanced? But it does make sense why after 30 years, it's best to probably just keep it as it is. Yeah, I don't, I think just the significance that it plays in theme park history and Disney history and Muppet history and in the Jim Henson legacy history, I don't think you could possibly get away with changing it much, if not at all. I think the only thing that they've done, they remastered it at one point to update it and make it look cleaner and sharper, which I appreciate. But other than that, they've pretty much left it untouched. They have made some changes to the pre-show, but nothing too drastic at all. So, look, I, I think it's one of those that if you... It never has too long of a line, except right now, for some reason, it does. I just, I guess just because there's a lack of things, there's there's not too many attractions in Hollywood Studios. Well, most of the shows, I don't know if I should say most. You don't have Indiana Jones right now. You don't have, like, The Voyage of the Little Mermaid. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. So there are, you know, a few things that are missing, especially for little kids. So it, it does have a cue now. But if you sit at Studio One where Studio One is supposed to be open, at the exit to the theater. Almost everybody's happy. Laughing, and I mean, I hate to say it, it's a lot of older people who are enjoying it more. It's a lot of grandparents and parents telling their kids about how they watch the Muppets. I do think Muppet Babies has introduced them to a new generation as well. Like our niece loves Muppet Babies and she knows all the characters, which I was shocked that she, she knows point them all out. of the Muppets, mm-hmm. which I love that. That makes my uncle heart so happy. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I think it's really important that it stays and I don't, I'm not confident that it will stay forever. And that makes me very sad because I mean, even even the great moments in history with the Muppets that they did in Magic Kingdom had raving reviews. People loved that, mm-hmm. and they took it away. So for some reason, the current decision makers don't feel too much... Uh, Admiration or... Loyalty, I guess, might be yeah. the word for the Muppets. And so that makes me scared for their future. I will say, you know, Disney is obviously very money-driven. I feel like the more recent Muppet things that have been released haven't necessarily been home runs. No, the the Muppet show that they're doing on Disney Plus, I, I couldn't get through it. I know well, other people enjoy it more. Some of the movies, I feel like the one with Jason Segel is really good. Was good, but then there was that sequel. Was that any good? Where he had like the mole. Uh, with the imposter Kermit? Yes. No, that wasn't good. Was he? <laughs> you looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, no, I know what I I tried to erase that from my mind. So, yeah, I wonder if that just has something to do with it. But it does seem like whenever Muppets are introduced or Muppet, like merchandise, whatever it might be, it does seem to be well-received as long as it's original Muppets. Yeah, if they try to get cute with it, it doesn't work. That's funny. All right. Neverland scores. You gave it a. Don't tell the I will say my score. 
I gave it a four and a half, which Boo. is, I know, it's somewhat brutal. Muppet hater. I don't hate the Muppets, but I've said it before. It's not my favorite. I do it out of pure love. I mean, I rated it most highly for smile factor. Um, almost everything else was kind of right there in the middle at like the halfway mark for me. Um, I'm not usually willing to wait for it, and I don't typically miss it. So that's just kind of where I was on the list. You have to explain yourself, um, ma'am. I see the survey says <laughs> that on Love It or Fix It, you gave it a 0. 0.5 uh, with the quote, she's a bit of a fixer-upper. I Again, I don't want to change what Jim Henson produced because, like you said, it's historical, it's significant. I would be mad if they changed it for that reason. I would not be mad if I never had to see Waldo again. Well, he's Mickey now. Oh, is he? Yeah. All Mickeys you see are Waldo, actually. Oh, okay. But that's just kind of where I'm at. Like, I just think... I don't know. I know I it, you can't actually change it, but there's just part of me that wishes you could. Like I wish it wasn't as important to keep it the same as it is. And that's just I'm just stuck in the middle. I give it a 6.25, rated the highest in nostalgia. I give it full marks on nostalgia and smile factor. Everything else I was pretty much around the same as you, except I did not want to change it. Well, I said, just don't change it too much. I think if you do some updates, like physical updates, maybe not to the actual recording, but maybe making the penguins cooler or whatever it might be. Changing the cue. Change the jokes. Well, can you change the jokes? You. Just what? like switch them up a little. Like give me some variety. Like keep me on my toes. I don't know. Like, you can quote the whole thing. Are you the person who, like, gets off the Jungle Cruise and complains that they're the same jokes? They're not always the same jokes, though. They're mostly the same. They <laughs> use, like, a rotation. Maybe they have, like, a cool wheel that they spin before each tour. You know which ones could be there. But sometimes your skipper throws you for a loop. I could go for a little loop. Nope. Nope. I want to be able to quote it. Okay. Next time I'm going to quote the whole thing in your ear as it's going on. Sound good? We'll we'll see what happens. So that's going to do it for this episode of Detour to Neverland. If you guys are ever looking for a way to help out the show, if you got any sort of enjoyment or information out of this podcast, we'd really appreciate an iTunes review. It's absolutely the best way to help the show to continue growing. We've gotten some new ones recently, so we really appreciate you guys taking the time to write those kind words on us. Uh, a recent one said that they like how you can hear our dogs barking, and you definitely got that in this episode <laughs> as well. So, sorry for those who do not like the dogs barking. They're just jealous. They don't get their own microphone, so they just want to make sure that you, as a listener, know that they are still here. Still here. Still here. Right outside the door. <laughs> so, we really appreciate you guys listening. A new thing that we're trying to do is go live on TikTok from the parks at least once a week, if not twice a week. So it looks like every Monday is when we're going to be doing that. We did one this morning on release day. 
from Magic Kingdom. Had a really fun time exploring the park. Next week, I think we're going to do Hollywood Studios. So I know many of you are still not on TikTok. Maybe this is the final push. Get on there. Just follow us. Fine with me. Whatever you want to do. Watch our live videos. We have a lot of fun doing those as well. So hope you have a wonderful week. We will be releasing another episode this week on Thursday with a topic TBD, but we promise it'll be good. So thank you guys so much for listening. We will chat with you real soon. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.